but if we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, starting the Christmas season. So Josh came and spoke two weeks ago. He spoke on the promise, um, the promise given to Mary that she will have a son. Sorry, this is... I'm not used to these. Um, and today we're going to look at the response of the promise, the response of Mary um, and the response of Elizabeth, in a way, to even the promise that God made to her. And then next week, Gary will finish off by looking at actually the fulfillment of that promise, um, the coming of Jesus. But before we even start and look at the passage, um, I just want to touch on something around Christmas, because I think um, when we come to a Christmas story, it's really important to actually acknowledge the effect Christmas has when we come to a Christmas story. You know, the way we celebrate Christmas, even aside from looking at Jesus, the whole Santa Claus thing. I remember Josh said two weeks ago, it's a time of year when men drive around with uh, antlers on their cars. thought that was pretty good. Um, but I think all the celebration and the way we celebrate it makes us, when we come to Christmas stories, almost treat them like they are for children. And then when it comes to the stories themselves, every December, year after year, we'll come to these Christmas stories and we'll hear the same ones over and over again to the point where... Um, I wonder if we can't even hear what they say. Um, I was started Luke this year and I also started Matthew. And both times I actually started in chapter four because I was like, I want to get to the part which actually will challenge me. And as I was reflecting on this, I actually stopped and was like, wow, um, how have I reduced the story of Jesus coming to this earth, um, possibly the greatest miracle there is, and reduced it down to something that, oh, I can just skip over and start later in the gospel. And... I think what we do is we miss these stories. They should be stories. My dad said this. They should be stories preached in August or preached in June. But what we do is every December we come and we preach the same story again and again. So all of us know it so well. So even as we come and look at this today, all of us know the story. We know the outcome. And I think in a way it hinders us from actually hearing what it's saying. Just before I start, um, I just want us to try and remove almost that framework that Christmas gives and try and look at the story um, as the Word of God, as an amazing example of faith from Mary and Elizabeth, um, and not just a story meant for children, because I think it's meant for so much more than that. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, but let's look at the story. So we have two characters that Luke bring together. We have Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth is the wife of Zechariah. Zechariah was the high priest, and as Josh spoke on, um, he had a vision from an angel who said, you are going to have a son in nine months, or Elizabeth is. Elizabeth was barren. Zechariah didn't believe, so for nine months he wasn't able to speak. Um, and Elizabeth did become pregnant, as the angel had said, and she was going to give birth to John the Baptist. We also have Mary, who in a similar way, the angel came and said, um, you're going to have birth, give birth to a son. And she asked, well, how can I? Because I'm a virgin. And he says, um, in verse 25, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Um, so she's promised to have a child, and I love her response. Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And even as we think of how we look over the Christmas story, I even think in a way we look over Mary's response. Um, because Mary's situation and what the angel has said to Mary is actually, I mean, that changes so much of her life. So Mary is a teenage girl. Um, in a culture which is largely based on shame and honour, um, and she's not married. So if she's going to become pregnant, she's going to have to face the shame that is so prevalent in that culture. Um, she's also engaged to Joseph, um, and that pretty much means the same as marriage. And in the law, I actually just asked Jeff before, that actually warrants her being stoned. Um, and I just want you to think, she's just been told she's going to have a child, what would she be thinking? She, I mean, what would you first think? Uh, 
okay, I'm going to go and have to tell my parents. And how's that going to go? She's going to say, mum, dad, um, I'm pregnant. And after they get over the shock, they're going to say, well, uh, who's the father? And what's, her response is going to be the Holy Spirit. I mean, how's that going to go for her? And the same with Joseph. She's going to go to Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, I've got some bad news. Um, I'm pregnant. And he's probably going to ask the same question and she's going to give the same response. It's the Holy Spirit. I mean, no one's going to believe her. She's not going to get married. We even see in Matthew that Joseph um, makes plans to actually break off the engagement. So she's not going to be married. She's going to have a child in a culture that has no social welfare. She's going to have to be faced with the shame of it. I mean, what's her future? Um, So what the angels told her, I mean, that's just changed her whole life. And she would know so well that she won't know what her future is. And her response, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I think when we actually understand the implications of what the angels said, for her to respond like that shows her faith. And that's what I want to look at today, the faith of Mary and also the faith of Elizabeth. Um, Because Mary rises up after hearing that and goes to visit Elizabeth. Um, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, she would have heard that um, all that the angel had said to Mary, her whole situation. And I love Elizabeth's response because it says that the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your room. Just stop and think. Do you reckon Mary would be thinking of herself as blessed at this point? Um, I, don't think I, I don't think I would if I was told that. Um, but Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You know, Elizabeth, this promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. She hasn't seen the son being born. This is faith of Elizabeth that allows her to say this. And maybe faith that comes from an understanding that in her own life she's seen herself Um, become pregnant, even though that is uh, almost impossible in that old age. And what I love about Elizabeth here is that her faith goes beyond herself and she seeks to share it and encourage Mary. And this is just a little side point, but what if we were to be people that shared our faith with the people around us and used it to encourage them? Because as we see later on, like her, her faith and her encouragement to Mary has such a huge impact on Mary. And it's what overflows into Mary's song of praise. Um, Elizabeth finishes by saying, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And I think it's from here that uh, Mary comes and she burst into this song. Um, I think this is the most amazing song um, coming from the situation. Um, So as we read it, just imagine Mary doesn't know what the outcome is. Mary doesn't know what's going to happen with her life. She's placing all her trust in God. um, And this is what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord in 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I mean, let's just stop there. That, that's just amazing, because we can easily magnify God with our words, um, but it's such a difference to actually magnify God with our soul. And I was trying to think, actually, what does that mean for me? I was driving up from Topor around the lake um, just recently, and there was just the best sunset, one of the best I've ever seen just over on the mountain. And I was sort of driving that way and like just looking behind, and I mean, <laughs> I don't think it was the safest. But... I just remember thinking, like, that is just the most beautiful thing. In that moment, I was like, wow, God, that is just, you are just so glorious. And I think that was something, like, that goes beyond just words, magnifying God with my soul. And this is what Mary's doing in response to what she's been told. And she also says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For her to rejoice when she's been told that her whole life is going to be changed, she doesn't know what her future is, that is just unbelievable. And we see why 
in verse 48, for she goes on to say what God has done for her. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She realizes that God has looked on her and her humility, um, that she will be called blessed by God because he who is mighty has done great things for me. Um, and just think for her to realize that God has done great things for her in doing that. Um, that in itself takes a lot of faith. And then she goes on to praise God, not just for what he's done for her, but because of his nature in general. Um, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. We see in his character that he exalts the humble, but opposes the proud. So if we look down, we see he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and further down the rich he has sent away empty. But in contrast, we see that he has shown... Um, Verse 52, he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. Um, and Luke's setting up his gospel and he's setting up by using two women in a culture which is largely dominated by men. That's pretty significant. And he's writing to someone called Theophilus who would have been a high, um, had prestige, had wealth, had honor. And what he's saying and setting this up is that God is choosing to use and bring about salvation through two women. And Mary realizes that, Elizabeth realizes that early, that God is using them in their humble state because his character is one that uh, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, other characteristics, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation and the sense of faithfulness coming through here. Down in 54, we see that she acknowledges his faithfulness to Israel. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring, forever. So what we see is that in a sense, she knows the character of God. She knows his qualities. And then she's praising him for his qualities. And then as we go up the psalm to the beginning, she sees that happen in her own life through the words that the angels spoken through being granted to give birth to the Messiah. And that is the reason if we trace it back that she can say, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Um, and I just think this prayer is what allows us to actually understand the faith of Mary, because I think her faith goes beyond just obedience. Um, maybe back in verse 38, we see an obedience where she says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. But as we come into this prayer, we see that the obedience is one of joy and worship. Um, and that is what her faith goes beyond. Um, and I suppose as I came to think of Mary, um, I almost see her in a way as quite unattainable. Um, my first thought was actually, well, I haven't had an angel come and speak to me um, and I'm not giving birth to the Messiah. Um, so my first thought was actually, well, Mary's distance from me. So that's why she can have that faith because she's in circumstances that are different from me. And I imagine most of you would be in that same uh, situation. But then I realized there's something more. Just because an angel came to visit her, I don't think warrants her faith. Um, if we look at Zechariah, an angel came and visited him and still he demanded a sign. And because of his unbelief, he wasn't able to talk for nine months. Um, if we go back to Gideon, God comes and meets with him and says to you, I'm going to use you to save my people. And actually <laughs> he then tests God and says, Lord, if you're going to use me to save my people, would you do this? Still ask for a sign. If you look at Abraham, he's given as the example of faith. Um, God speaks to him so many times and yet still he doubts. He um, calls Sarah, his sister, uh, twice. Um, he sleeps with Hagar, doesn't believe the promise. And I suppose when it comes to Mary, Luke almost presents her as perfect. Um, but what I want to know is, okay, what's the reason that allows her to be able to trust God and have faith in God, whereas other people did not? And I think that's what the prayer shows us. Um, 
because it's in the prayer that we are able to actually get a glimpse of why she can praise God. And I think the biggest thing is that she's a faithful reader of Scripture. All through this prayer is Scripture references to the Old Testament. She would have been someone who was so ingrained in Scripture that when she comes to pray, it's not as though she's just praying words that she's heard people. She's praying Scripture that's just been on her heart that comes, not even a direct copy from any Scriptures, just so many coming out. Um, that's why she knows the character of God. That's why she knows that God is faithful. God is merciful. God um, exalts the humble and gives, uh, I need to get this right, <laughs> exalts the humble and opposes the proud. Um, it's because of these characteristics that she can pray actually God's characteristics and can see them come in her own life. And that is the reason she can say, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And even for me, as I was thinking of this, um, this year, my um, prayer life has been impacted by the scriptures that I've known, and I haven't known them in the past. And I think just a really awesome challenge is to take scriptures and actually start to pray them and use them um, to pray. So a real good example for me this year has been Isaiah 40 verse 10, which is, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. And suddenly it's not just these concepts that I'm praying, even coming to a talk like this, it's like that's so so helpful um, and something that I am now able to trust the character of God that he is with me so I do not need to fear and I think that's just a real awesome example that Mary sets that she is so ingrained in scripture that when she comes to pray she prays the qualities of God from scripture um, so if we look at what uh, Mary was actually looking at she was looking at the Old Testament she didn't even have the New Testament um, so what scriptures maybe from the Psalms my example Psalm 33 4 for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. Um, and in Mary's prayer, we see one of the huge things that comes through is that God is faithful. Um, you know, if she didn't realize that God was faithful, I don't know how she would trust God when her life was looking as it would. Um, for us, we have the advantage of the New Testament, so a verse real helpful, 2 Timothy 2.13, which says, When we are faithless, God is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Um, what an awesome thing that God cannot deny being faithful to his promises that he gives us. Uh, Psalm 138, verse 8, maybe. Uh, verse 8, maybe. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. Um, and Isaiah 66, I just want to go there. Um, you don't, don't have to turn. Um, I can just read it if I get there. Um, all these things my hand has made, and so all these things come to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The fact that God dwells with the humble, and I think that is a huge influence that Mary um, can trust, that she doesn't have to meet any standard for God to work in her. She doesn't have to meet any standard to be used by God, but she rejoices in God using her um, in her humble estate because God's character is one that exalts those of humble estate, but that he opposes the proud. That is the reason she can trust that, and that is the reason that she can have faith in what is happening in her life. Um, and also we see God's sovereignty, Isaiah 46, 10, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish my good pleasure. Um, and a verse for us, I suppose, in the New Testament she wouldn't have had is Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And I was thinking about this, um, I suppose this passage has actually been real challenging for me. Um, as I go into next year, there are some things that I've been struggling to doubt. Actually, God, why is this happening? Um, why are things turning out like this? Um, and I've actually struggled to have um, faith, to actually trust that God is going to use those things and that I am in God's plan. 
But Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And how many of us just think, okay, God works the big things or God works some things, but when it's the verse says, God works all things together. Um, and there's a difference between actually knowing it, you can know the verse, but actually believing it when those situations come. And I think a big thing that I see in this prayer is that Mary is trusting that God is working these things and she is um, rejoicing because she is part of that. And because she's part of that, she can trust that God is in that. And that is why she can trust what the outcome will be because God is working all things together. Um, and just a challenge for us, I suppose, would we trust that? Like, I don't know, even as I share this, I don't know where you guys are at. Um, I don't know where any of us are at, but maybe some of us here are actually in a place where we're, things are good. Um, and there's no hard things at the moment that are causing us to trust God. But can I encourage you just from this to be so immersed in Scripture that when those things come, we're able to trust God's character and trust that God is working in that and trust that we're a part of that, not because of anything we've done, but because God gives grace to the humble. Um, I was driving to Raglan yesterday and I came across a crash. Um, there was a car that had flipped over to the other side of the road. It was a people mover, so it had quite a few people in it. I don't know if anyone died or anything, but I was thinking... Um, you know, just like that, some of us, people we know could just die. Um, things could change for us. People could get sick with our jobs. We could lose our jobs. We don't know any of these things. And the challenge is maybe things are good now, but to actually know who God is so that when those things come, we can trust him and have a faith just like Mary did. Um, but I also realized that, like, as I share this, I'm sharing this to people who are going through those hard things. Um, and I share it real carefully because I know that I don't have this, but I think this is what the text is saying. And I think that's the example that Mary gives to actually trust and seek to keep trusting in God and who he is. Um, and I just think a real practical challenge is actually learning verses of God nature so that we can get to the stage where actually that becomes a belief that's not just in our head, but actually in our heart. And I think when we get to that point, that's when we'll be able to say, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Um, and I think that's what allowed Mary to say to God, behold, I am your servant. Uh, let, uh, let it be to me according to your word. Um, yeah, so I suppose the example of Mary for me has always just been um, a story that's Christmas, um, a story I've always known. Um, but I think in there there's such an example of how we can um, grow in faith. And I feel even like so much more could be taken out of it. And I just encourage you actually... Um, to look at this more and actually look at the example of Mary and just may that um, come into lives are sort of a bit lost there. Sorry. Um, but I think um, another thing, just last thing I want to touch on is that God uses Mary to bring about salvation. Um, and God uses her in such a mighty way. And God is faithful to his promise. Um, and I think that's such a special thing. And this prayer just reflects that. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to close in prayer. I'm not sure what the time is. But let's just go. Um, Lord God, just as we think of um, Mary and think of her example, um, just help us to actually see it for what it really is, a young woman who is so immersed in Scripture, who knows you so well, um, and who when something that comes and changes her life comes, um, she's able to trust in you and rejoice in you and not just be obedient to what you've commanded her to do, but actually be worshipful and joyful in that, Lord. Um, so I thank you for the example she gives. I just pray for us um, in whatever situation we are, 
um, whether it's hard, whether it's good, that we would seek to know you better. Um, we would seek to actually truly believe the promises that you give us um, so that when things are hard and things come up, we can trust you and trust that you're working in all things uh, for good. Um, Lord, thank you for this example of Mary. Um, yeah. And thank you that you used her to bring salvation for us. Amen.